0: Hey everyone, how you going? It's Nelly here. Happy New Year to you. Don't know where that came from. Hey, we at the Dear Nelly team hope 2024 is full of love and adventure and rest and all the things, whatever that looks like for you. And thank you again for your continued support for this funny little podcast. Now we've got some very exciting news. We have another live show coming up. This one is on Thursday, the 8th of February at the Malthouse Outdoors at the iconic Malthouse Theatre in Melbourne as part of their annual podcast season where they showcase mm -hmm, the best podcasts around. I am thrilled to confirm that the lineup includes me, obviously hosting. We also have comedian, author and broadcaster, Sammy Shah jesus he's funny he's so great on radio he's so great at all the things some of you may know him from the australian story on abc which featured the incredible tale of him and his now wife academic Kylie moore gilbert who was sentenced to 10 years in Iranian prison, but thankfully made it home. What a love story. We also have comedian and dear Nellie favourite, the incomparable Kirsty Wiebeck, who also happens to be one of my strawberriest of strawberry friends, and I know you all adore her. And last but not least, oh my god, we have comedian and actor Lizzie Who. Lizzie Bloody Who. She's on all the comedy specials, on all the streaming services. And no doubt she's one of the hottest bloody comedians going around. Now, I mean hot as in popular, but you know, you go with whatever. So look, I urge you to get in and book tickets via the Malthouse website or my website at com, And of course, there are links in the show notes. A couple of other quick reminders. Keep your calls coming. If you can, join Patreon or Acas Plus for five bucks a month for bonus episodes and other rewards. This year, paid subscribers will get live Zoom events with me throughout the year where we can do Q&As and interact. Now, this podcast was recorded in the council area known as Darabin in Melbourne. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri peoples of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Last but not least, some things don't change, miles. This is a sex, dating, and relationships podcast for adults. If you don't like swearing,
1: it's really going to give you the shit, so off your Dianelli, fuck. I could use some advice, dear Nelly. Yes, yeah, some help would be nice, dear Nelly. I'm eager to hear your point of view. Dear there's a lot to explore, dear Nelly you 40 or more Dear Nelly. So I'm hoping we can talk
0: All right, welcome to Dear Nelly, Sex Dating Relationships from the Other Side of 40. And we are joined by a, an unusual guest for me and a very special guest by the name of NATO Green. I say unusual, NATO, because we have never met in real life.
2: That's that's true.
1: Yeah.
0: Correct. Factual. Yeah. I come to ask you to be on this podcast, which I never normally do this, but I come to it, I come to you as a fan. Oh, How does that
2: sit with you? Uh well, I, seeing as I spent the last thirty six hours getting dragged on the internet by people who hate me, did you? Uh, yes, I did. It's uh, it's 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 refreshing to discover that um, my comedy is not an odious failure in all respects. So. It is not an odious <laughs>
0: failure by any stretch. And you know what? It's interesting, isn't it? That whole we've all been there. Like anyone with any sort of public figure will go through that. And it's interesting to reflect. I think on how it feels like everyone knows. I had no idea, and I am a fan of yours, so I had no idea that that was even going on.
2: It's it's just a you know it's specific pocket. Uh, I mean, and I was thinking about it because it's like there's. I'm seeing people debate the new Chappelle special. Yeah, and and th- there's it's 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 a hard line to walk with comedy. Yeah, I mean, is- probably any any art, but but particularly, you know, with comedy that has a, has a point of view, Mm. it's like, like a lot of times people will, the, uh, the audience will say they won't, if they disagree with the point of view, Mm. they won't say, that's not for me. They'll say, this is bad.
0: Yes. Or I'm Uh, offended.
2: I'm offended. yeah And, you know, clearly there is good and bad comedy and there's Mm. better and worse executions of it. Mm. But, uh it's not a de- and it's not a defense of anyone's comedy to be like no. well he, he has fans mm. so it must be good uh mm. but anyway like how do you how do you navigate that of like some of it is good and some of it is bad and some of it is just not for you
0: <gasps> turns out it's <laughs> like life hey <laughs> like, yeah right. <laughs> I mean, it's isn't that that's like the world <sighs> Yeah, you know, and I have this conversation whenever I'm mentoring new comics, and I'm sure you do as well. Where you kind of there's nobody who's universally liked in even a friendship circle, let alone in a professional <laughs> setting. So right. let go of that shit. Like I think, cop it on the chin. If if it's sitting wrong, like the times that I've been called out, I know if they've got a point. If it's sitting wrong with me, you know, if I kind of can't let it go after a while, and I think maybe I actually have made an error there but there's other times where i just go no you just don't like me that's okay in terms of introducing you do you is your primary professional identity comedian or do you prefer something
2: else uh i identify as the country's only semi-functional hybrid of stand-up comedian and union organizer.
0: Indeed. I was so happy. I'm so happy you said that. One of the reasons I'm a fan of yours is because I'm an old like, working-class girl with a union background, and I think that's one of the reasons I have adored your work. I'm so glad you brought that into it. So you do have a hybrid professional existence, right? You do stand-up, but you're an organizer.
2: Yeah, I mean, these these days I'm less... I mean you know these these roles get a little bit lost outside but yeah th- at this stage in my career I'm less doing what I think of as I mean it's all organizing but primarily um I'm I'm a negotiator so mm. I'm I'm the person I, I work for a union and I lead b- big big negotiations yeah um the so wages and
0: conditions
2: yeah uh you know I not the way that the way that in the I don't know, I actually I have no idea about how this works in Australia, but mm. in the U.S., um, unions are it, like you negotiate a contract with the employer mm. and the contract mm. expires every two to five years and then you go back to the, and mm. negotiate.
0: Wow, that sounds really easy and relaxing. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you are married.
2: Yeah. yeah how long have you been, been married? We've, I've been married 20 years. I've ma- I've 20 married my, years? Uh, I mean, so I'm uh, on on the other side of 40 I'm, uh, fast approaching the other side of 50. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, I, yeah, my, we've been together 25 years, married for 20. Yeah. Um, uh, we got together in college.
0: Wow. And you've Very got two, cl- two kids.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just, it's just, it's, you know, it's a tale as old as time now. You've seen it so many times. The, <laughs> the, you know, left wing Jewish combination union organizer, comedian married to the, uh, uh, combination, nurse practitioner, it, you know, uh, uh, addiction medicine clinician slash <laughs> medical anthropologist <laughs> with 15-year-old queer twins living or alive in San Francisco. Um, how many times have you heard that profile?
0: I mean, I'm pretty sure I just watched that rom-com for Christmas. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's what I thought you were going to say. It's a shame we've got nowhere to go with that. Yeah. So- <laughs> So let me ask you and this is a very pointed question and as with all of my questions you can decline to answer it but I find it really fascinating with someone who's been you've been together 25 years yep. that's a long relationship does being in a relationship suit you
2: You know I don't um I don't know that being in a I, I like I don't know the general question I know the specific question mm. like you know in like, this relationship. I can't.
0: Relationship rec- I've got, I, can't
2: yeah. I can't. I can't recommend marriage. I can recommend marrying my wife. Mm. Um, oh, if, if NATO!
0: You, that's beautiful. If you,
2: should, if you should have the opportunity to marry my wife, I encourage you to do it.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm working on it, buddy. I'm working yeah. on it
2: because we've been we've been together so long. I mean, certainly there's loads of challenges, and it's mm. you know, it's both of us came from you know families where our parents were divorced and Mm. so it wasn't a foregone conclusion that it was going to work for us Mm. um but i mean i feel like in the culture there's and with young people there's so much emphasis on stuff like chemistry and yeah like they the 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 appeal of the thunder lightning of romance and it's like um we just like each other you know we still crack each other up and enjoy talking to Mm -hmm. each other and
3: Mm. like
2: if if we can you know when we can get on on holiday together and mm. have unstructured time for a week, like we just mm. enjoy kick, kicking around together. So, so you like want that. to,
0: you know, I think it's it. We overcomplicate this stuff, right? If you are with someone, regardless of whether it's been, you know, two years or twenty-two years, if you look forward to spending time with them, this is a really good sign. If you are dreading spending time with them we need to go back to the table and ask what's happening and whether it's repairable
2: it's it's it, there are plenty of challenges but I also think like it gives me pleasure just to watch my wife in the world being a person you know like, oh, so
0: that's so sweet so take me back to little NATO are we let's say we're not, 14 15 16. is he dating not
2: not, not good it's not good oh uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. So you had to wait a while before you know what? I mean, I hate doing generalizations, but I'm gonna do it for the sake of brevity. I think a lot of guys don't really come into them their own until they're well into their twenties or thirties.
2: What is San Francisco famous for?
0: Mm-hmm. Gays. Gays.
2: yeah Yeah. So like I grew up in San Francisco. So like yeah. I mean I've sort of I've joked in my act that like I didn't see a fully clothed adult until I was nine.
1: Um <laughs> Isn't that
0: interesting? Hang on, NATO. Isn't that interesting? I'm sure I know you're having this happen and it's happening here to a lesser degree, but still a frightening degree. All the fucking bullshit about drag story time. So you grew up in this environment and indeed, and please correct me if I'm wrong, you turned out to at least be straight-ish. So yeah, the idea right. that you would be exposed to, you know, queer culture and then that, that will make you anything is absurd.
2: Well, I mean, I, I you know, it it's I mean, I grew up as a straight kid with like a fairly deep level of comfort and love for queer culture, like Great. some of the most amazing people that I knew, you yeah. know. Um and people who looked out for me were older queers. Yeah. Um so yeah. I, like I was I did not, I was not dating. I was not at all sexually active until college. I wanted to be, I felt like shit about it. I -hmm. was like, uh, um, I, you know, carried Like I was so convinced that I was, you know, unlovable and unwantable and, Mm. um, you know, had like a lot of, you know, social anxiety and sense of shame and, uh, and also like responsibility. Like I couldn't, it felt like, I could see how many dudes around me were like horrendously objectifying women, and like couldn't imagine Doing
0: a that. way to. Oh, mm-hmm.
2: I couldn't. Uh, like, I couldn't imagine how to do it a different way.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um
2: That makes so- sense
0: to me. If you're if you're a sensitive, sort of clued in young man, I mean that that's. I think that's something we don't talk about enough. Is that then how do you express? Um, desire? How do you express interest without it, you know, in Australian terms, I don't know if you, you use this terminology in America, but without it being like sleazy, you know, or sure. gross, or I mean, objectifying is the obvious thing. But if you're thoughtful, and I actually see that with some of my kids, friends who are similarly sensitive and, and gorgeous boys, and you can see them really wrestling with that of like, well, how can I say she's hot? without it being gross you know and you these are learning things right
2: and like there's so much for younger people uh there's so little in the way of like expectation around direct communication Mm. like if you're a teenager and you're dating there's no like no there's no model of like i'm attracted to you and i would like Mm. to kiss you and how do you feel about Mm. that so you're supposed to like your arm around someone or you Mm. know go in for the kiss or whatever Mm. and like hope it works out and it's that was just terrifying to me so it's
0: supposed to be some like divine intuition and we both know that that is you know completely an anathema to most teenagers particularly if i may say to teenage boys like reading the room is not their strong suit
2: (laughs) Right? (laughs)
0: So so I'm interested, and this is a common refrain. I don't know if it's generational or if it's just the honesty that comes out in these conversations. So many people, when I take them back to their teen years, have felt shame. It sounds to me like you're saying shame because you weren't dating as opposed to shame around, well, I had sex and I'm going to go to hell.
2: Right, exactly. No, I was like masturbating furiously. That's yeah. uh, right. Right. I the, highly recommend uh you know wanted to be could not figure it out. And I mm. mean, you know, it's like like my generation was um, you know, we were raised by second wave feminists.
0: Mm. Well, you uh, were. You was. were. Yes.
2: Because of where I was. Yeah. Uh, you know, so like enough to have the vocabulary around sexism and misogyny mm. and but not and but not not enough therapy yet you know what i mean uh, yeah yeah it's like i mean i it's it's like i almost think about you know, on—I uh, mean, maybe this is overly optimistic on my part, but I feel like we can sort of—we have language now to talk about mm. patriarchy, misogyny, mm. and gender roles in a way that past generations didn't, and it's positive and healthy. Mm. But we're still raised inside of them. It's like yeah. we can see the promised land, but we can't enter it yet. Oh uh, my
0: God, the, this is—I mean, from a from another point of view, but the same thing. This is why I ra- why I rail against things like um, self care. For new mothers, for example, because you're like, okay, yeah, you're absolutely right, you know, that new mum should put herself first and it doesn't matter if the dishes are done and, yeah, okay, don't, you know, you don't have to do everyone's birthday presents. Guess what? She was raised in the culture that told her if she doesn't do those things, she's a failure. So we're kind of putting the responsibility of that indoctrination back onto her and going, just get over it, babe. Just get over it.
2: Yeah, there is that we we are constantly encountering the limits of individual solutions to yes. structural problems.
0: Yes, and cultural problems. I mean, both of those things. I think like you can't just shrink off culture. I mean, this is the the a lifetime of work that I, as an older feminist, am still doing, and I'm sure you're still doing. Let alone when you're fucking sixteen and horny and on a date.
2: I I, I understand intellectually what mm. what I would like to be doing as a yes. as a you know I mean I I don't want to get carried away calling myself a feminist man but someone who would like to be you know yeah, um, yeah. is on the journey but the, there's still a bunch of garbage that's in my lizard brain that's sort of lake laden the piping from the culture
0: and mine and mine and that's the truth and and I find it really interesting talking. To people our age about dating, the amount of times, for example, and, you know, sometimes women will catch themselves and they're surprised that this stuff's coming out of their mouth of like, well, I wouldn't date a shorter guy. Or I expect, you know, when I go, oh, we went on a date and he didn't pay for dinner. And I'm like, have you got a job? <laughs> you know, like yeah. that stuff is still in us yeah. as well. You know, it's a, it's an ongoing conversation and and a process of change and reflection and it's painful. It is painful to reflect on those things, I think. There's a reason people avoid it. So yeah, you get to college.
2: I had such a hard time and I uh, you know, I was pretty sensitive and thoughtful and serious in a lot of ways pretty early. And, you know, when I like in high school, what people what girls were looking for was not that. They wanted no, you know, the lacrosse captain or whatever. Uh, or the
0: fun guy. Or the guy who's going to, like, rev the car engine or, I don't know. I'm just thinking
2: of
0: 80s references. But, yeah, I get it. And then I think, tell me if I'm wrong, once you get to uni, that guy seems a lot more attractive.
2: Yeah, some. I mean, you know, I like, I had these, I kept having these, like, in, in college, these very intense relationships, you know, where they were, like, they felt romantic um you know i mean to the point of like you know i would have these female friends and we would like sleep in the same bed and snuggle and it would feel very intense but like not we would uh, we wouldn't like seal the deal yeah and i'd be confused about it anyway so you know like but uh, you know i'm I, it's i'm pretty it's 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 pretty unexciting like mm. i i dated a couple people and then i met the woman who was still my wife you know
0: no that uh, is, i think that he, that's all part of the story you know it could be i find that as interesting as someone who's like yeah i've had a series of two month relationships for the last 30 years like it's all part of it's all part of the fabric i'm very interested because i had these as well take me back to these friendships where you were sleeping in bed and snuggling from this age what do you think was happening
2: i mean i think the intellectually i want to believe that it's possible for a straight man and a straight woman to just have a close friendship and yeah. have it not be sexual. Yes. It Intellectually, is. I would like that to be possible. Yeah. What I have learned is that, you know, at some point, one of them is going to go, you know, I could bone this person. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah, but you one, can
0: also get over that, right? You might right. go one, through one, that.
2: Yeah. One or the other of us will be like, you know, I might like to smash. <laughs> um I wonder what they look like naked. Um, I
0: wonder what would happen if you took your pants
2: off. I'm just wondering out loud. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just brainstorming here. Um, <laughs> just an idea. Let's be- get a
0: whiteboard.
1: Yeah. Let's <laughs> so, so
0: were these straight women, or because my head yeah. immediately went to, did they end up being um, queer ladies?
2: No, these. I mean, it was it, like. I mean to I think that there was some level of sexual tension and if like if I were a di- a different dude like I would have started kissing them and okay. then other things would have ensued.
0: This was but my I- other this was my option B is that I think in that situation and again even post-feminist whatever the fuck that means there's still so much um, tension around who makes a first move. So, if you're laying in bed, you're 20 years old or whatever, and you're laying in bed with a girl, there would be plenty of young women who'd be like, it's on him, you know? So, if he hasn't, he mustn't want to. And you're there going, I'm being respectful. (laughs) We're friends. And I'm not going to do that.
2: Yeah. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to ruin the friendship. Yeah. But I I would really like to kiss this person. Yeah. And so, then you just hit this impasse. Yeah. Um,
0: Hot tip. I just go, do you want to make out?
2: yeah does that work for you
0: it 100 percent works for me because either way you know
2: right then you're right? not wondering
0: you're not wondering yeah. especially but you, in a you, friendship
2: you weren't doing that in your 20s
0: um i was a little bit like it sort of depends how much bravado i had like if i was in a in a club for example and in most contexts for me that would like i've dated all the genders but for me that would have been a queer club i think i'm more confident with women to be honest, and I think I'd more likely to call it. And even as I'm saying that, I find that interesting as someone who, like, I've done a thesis in queer theory and I'm an old feminist. I'm da da. I don't, it surprises me and myself that I would be more assertive with women than men.
2: How many pairs of Doc Martens did you have?
0: Many, and they hurt my feet, uh-huh. right? <laughs> like, all of this shit about high heels hurting women's feet, you wear a pair of fucking Doc Martens around Australia in forty degree heat and tell me that's not bad for your ankles.
2: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> so anyway, we're talking too much about me. I would like to know how you met your wife and how that evolved.
2: Um well, so we met uh like right at the beginning of, of freshman year of college. Yeah. First year. Um this is the friend who introduced us is it was a um was a british exchange student that we're still friends with and just invited us to the uk for his wedding yeah so it's on my mind but i met i uh he was in her dorm and uh i met him because we both attended what was called a men's issues discussion group (laughs) just to locate you in time in the 90s Uh,
0: oh my god i couldn't love you more
2: (laughs) and so i went to the men's issues discussion group and it was a lot of the like what I think of as the like, come on, baby, I'm a feminist, like, yeah, dudes, totally, uh, like, and 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 we did not fit in because we were the only men in the men's issues discussion group who didn't hate our fathers. Yeah. Uh,
0: who didn't go on to become mras is what you're saying yeah
2: right exactly and so so we like we're like that's that was weird then we started talking and so he introduced me to her and we became like right away became close friends and like within a month she told me like you know she just declared to me that our friendship was going to be one of the important relationships of her life
0: so she called it well done
2: as a but as a friendship yeah but um, that
0: even that in itself is very direct right
2: well yeah so here's what's interesting is i block myself because <laughs> i like i was uh, um, like i was so anxious about uh and you know so unable to make moves that i like preemptively told her that i was asexual i found oh. out much much later that she was attracted to me oh um, And if I hadn't done that, maybe something else would have happened. Were Uh, you trying
0: to save face, or did you believe it?
2: I was trying to save face, definitely trying to
0: save face. So you go, you come like I'm this anxious twenty something year old, like cock blocking myself, dude. Like I've got to save face here with this this goddess.
2: That's right. So we were like, you know, best of friends all through college. The last year of college, she like, moved into my apartment, me and her and another guy. And, again, we had the kind of friendship where sometimes we would sleep in the same bed mm. um, and just close friends. And then um, right at the end of college, after a Passover Seder,
1: oh. uh,
2: we came back to the apartment and, uh, you know, suddenly we were naked. Uh,
0: wow. But who, I want to know who made the move. I find this very interesting, particularly given the the buildup. 'Cause yeah. by then it's a big call, right? To it's go
2: years years.
0: Years. Yeah. So does she go, you wanna make out?
2: <laughs> no no. It I in it, in that time yeah, uh, it, it was me. Like we were we we went to bed as we had done many times and we were lying together and we were snuggling and suddenly it felt different. Uh can I kiss you?
0: Did you? Is that what you said? No. Yeah i love that see then you know right then you know i mean i'm not for a minute dismissing the the balls that that takes i mean that in a genderless sense Mm
2: -hmm. it
0: takes a lot of courage to do that but at least then you know right well done yeah and she obviously (laughs) did a version of fuck yeah
2: yeah yeah she did and um And so, but because we're close friends, I was very quickly, I was like, okay, well, this is it. This is the rest of my life. right? Um,
0: as in we're going to get married or as in we're going to be a couple.
2: We're going to be a couple.
0: How lovely. Well, congratulations. Like we talk on this podcast about ripping up the script. And the reason is because all those scripts are usually shit. You know, this, this is actually the truth of how a lot of relationships start. It can be a slow burn. There can be confusion. There can be miscommunication. There can be a whole way. It's not, you know. I see you across the room, and oh my god, I know your mind forever.
2: Right. You know, yeah, it's a stop-start
0: little... kind of thing, and you got there in the end, and it's lovely. Yep. <laughs> All right, I'm
2: gonna. I mean, us. it's it, yeah. it's it's certainly like a, you know, it's a it's a legitimate question that's come up over the 25 years of like, did we have any business making that kind of choice at, at age 22. You know, were we ready to make that? You know, like if we knew then what we know mm. now, would we have done it? And who nice. You know, who knows?
0: Armchair expert, which is possibly the most middle class and middle aged thing that you'll ever do on a podcast, Look, is where I'm I a present.
2: straight white guy, I'm ready to you're offer. Great white
0: guy, you're ready. Yeah, but you're in San Francisco, so adjacent. Yeah. Um yeah is that I give you a meme from Facebook and ask I'll you take to comment on fi- I'll take on a it.
2: finger in the butt from that, from that side.
0: <laughs> All right. That is going to be the subtitle of this episode. I'll take a finger in the butt. <laughs> Speaking of, side yep. note, when you and I – so I think you and I are the same age, right? Late 40s. I'm 49. Yep. I'm 48. There's no way when I started dating, there's no way, regardless of gender – that it would have been commonplace for there to be a finger in the butt or a question about anal sex. Completely different now. And I'm not in any way shaming anal sex. I'm just pointing out a massive difference and change in the sexual cultural landscape. It's quite commonplace now for that to be requested.
2: Anal sex, finger in the butt, eating ass, like (laughs) those things were, you know, so heavily, you know, so taboo.
0: So taboo. Whereas Uh, for our kids' generation, not to say that they're all doing that, but they're certainly talking about it.
2: It's on the table.
0: It's on the table, 100%. Anyway, I got sidetracked. All right. So I saw I can't even attribute this. It just came up in my feed. There are two types of people in the world, those who like you and those who can go fuck themselves.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: How does this hit you?
2: you know um here's how it hits me is um is i i relate to it from my younger self yes so um that like like i the idea that people who who the implication that people don't, who don't like me can go fuck themselves that 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 comes from like a re- sort of hostile resentful angry place mm. and i and and it's i'm not to say that i've like i've reached nirvana and i'm above it fully Mm. but Mm. again i'm i'm on the i'm on the path Mm. um and i feel like um you know like the i as i get older it it feels less of like uh they can go fuck themselves and more of like you know as we were saying earlier like i'm just not for you yeah um you know or Or this is, you know, this is really, this is a you problem and not a me problem. Like, you know, I I wish you luck in your journey. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's Uh, right. So more, like, less excavation of the motivations or reasons or just like, okay,
2: no worries. It's also just, it's like, it's not, like, it's not a threat. It's just information about the landscape I'm on.
0: Yes. Oh, see, that's very interesting and is that different do you think like when you were a young man was it more like that oh fuck you
2: i mean well let, you know a, a lot it's an insight that's born out of my out of my organizing work mm. and so you know as as an organizer and this isn't specific to labor movement this is i think all social movements you there um any type of Left or social justice work, there's going to be infighting. Mm. There's going to be, you know, there's going to be backstabbing. Mm. There's going to be dis- setbacks and disappointments, particularly if you're in leadership, you get attacked. Mm. And the first bunch of times I got attacked because of my role, you know, sometimes I'm, sometimes I'd made mistakes. Sometimes I hadn't. Mm. Sometimes it was fair. Sometimes it wasn't fair. But mm. I would like really internalize it and be like, I'm a horrible mm. person and I'm a yeah. failure and I'm stupid. And over time it was like Mm. being attacked was a skill that i got better at Mm. over time Mm. you know Mm. um and
0: well and being rejected nato is something you get better at right so all of these things like i can't help this is a bigger discussion but i can't help but look at say your mras for example and think oh some of you need a cuddle now i'm not offering that cuddle but there's an emotional, um, there's something emotional going on that they're not accessing or they're not able to interpret or investigate. And I think it's very interesting to consider for people who are listening, who are dating, if you are rejected, i.e. someone doesn't like you, you've got a couple of options. One is to spiral into anger and right. to you know, fuck you and who do you think you are and you couldn't get me anyway and you know or the other ones to kind of go well it's either i'm not the right person at the right time or there's something going on for you or maybe i don't even need to think about it no he's a complete sentence
2: yeah i there's a th- I, something that i've been thinking about a lot in the last year um is like a lot of the problems that come up in our relationships might to speak for myself mm. and that something will happen that is not what we would want and we interpret it and then we react to our interpretation more than exactly. to the thing itself. Yes. So, you know, yes. it's like, you, you know, I didn't get – you rejected me or I didn't get the this, this thing that I wanted because yeah. you don't care about me or you don't appreciate me or you don't whatever, blah, yes. blah, 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 blah. And then you get angry about that interpretation. Yes. But you don't know. Like, it could yes. be it could be that they're not able to show up or that they have something else going on in their lives that has nothing to do with you. Like, there could and be – maybe
0: – new- For you and them, even if just stick with you, maybe they are touching an old wound of yours that they don't even know exists. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? Right. That's so, right. if, for example, you go, well, they're rejecting me because, um, like, if I go back to me in my twenties, they're rejecting me because they think I'm fat. I got no idea if that that has got anything to do that. That is me projecting an old insecurity onto the situation, and then pot- potentially harming myself and getting angry at them and reinforcing, you know, the wound. That's right. Rather than kind of going, hmm, maybe I'm just not for them. Do I even need to go any further into this? Unless you're repeatedly on dates where people are kind of going, you're really putting me off, and maybe you need to ask why. But other right. than that, I think just let it go, man.
2: Uh, you know, when I was when I was in my twenty, I mean, when I was a young person in my in high school and college. And in my 20s, I was so afraid of being rejected and unwanted and and felt weird that I would act weird and then create the conditions of the thing that I was afraid of. Yes. It was like, you know, I I would wreck it for myself so that I wouldn't have to find out the hard way.
0: And then it reinforces, I mean, even the story you've told us, you know, very generously about your wife of saying, well, actually I'm asexual, like fucking it up before there's a chance for her to go, no, I'm not interested. Yeah. Are you ready for a couple of listener calls?
2: Sure.
3: Hey Nellie, just listening to your bonus Christmas episode with Bev Killick, Um, love it, she's amazing and just listening to the whole thing about what to do for Christmas when your family dynamic has changed and you know I'm recently separated, a woman in my 40s, it's my first Christmas with just me and my eight-year-old and um, you know I found it Really, really difficult. I'm from a huge family, so usually Christmas is massive. Anyway, and my family all live in the UK, so I'm kind of here alone. Um, anyway, I guess what I'm struggling with is that I always run the Orphans Christmas. I always do the thing where I invite everybody over to mine if I think they might be alone, even putting it on social media, you know, don't be alone, come and be with me for Christmas. And this year, nobody did that for me. And, um, yeah, I'm kind of hurt, I'm angry, I'm resentful, and I'm lonely. Anyway, wondering if you, sorry, have any advice. Thanks.
0: Oh, sweet, sweet lady. So, I mean, obviously the first thing to acknowledge is that I can hear, like you can hear the emotion in her voice, right? Like it's, this stuff is really hard.
2: Yeah, I mean, so much, there's so much anguish in there about, you know, feeling, feeling, feeling. Uh, like people weren't looking out for her.
0: And it could be, I mean, I think obviously we've just been through Christmas and New Year, but it could be anything really. I notice, you know, there's so many narratives that we need to shift about broken families, for example, and you carry that stuff into big events where you kind of like, is it enough? Like I find myself as a single parent, like sometimes overcompensating and kind of trying to make up for um, the fact that you know the family doesn't look like it used to, and I think maybe coming into a big event that might have been her first Christmas as a mm-hmm. single mum, it's very loaded.
2: I mean, my first thought listening to it was like, you know, what a great person to be to yeah. be the person who organizes the orphans' Christmas, yes. like that. Um, you know, to be to accept and celebrate the. Mm. Great qualities that you bring to it um you know the other thing is i mean similar to do you feel like making out it's like um you know it's not it sounds like she was hoping that people would spontaneously think of it and if you have a what is in my experience what is almost certainly going to be the case is that is that like it's not that those people were would have been opposed to helping to organize something but that they're conditioned to a particular dynamic and set of expectations in that friendship and didn't re- didn't make the connection themselves mm. that her new conditions reco- like it have it this one of my best friends from childhood mm. almost almost ended our relationship because he was going through something and I didn't realize it mm. and uh you know, we got through it, but I was like, "Dude, you could have just said, mm. hey, motherfucker, get over yourself.' I did you mm. know? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the like I just sometimes some you know, and it, and sometimes it because it's because people don't think about you and don't care, and mm. sometimes because they don't realize what it, the, what it means to you mm. and make the connections in that way, and it, and as soon as they have from inf- the information, mm. they can run with it. So there's no shame in telling your friends. Hey, I made this. Uh, This is what I need for Christmas because this is a hard year for me.
0: Yeah, I think, look, I I actually, I've been on both sides of that, right? So I've been on on the the same as you. I think one of the things I notice, it's funny, actually, before you and I started recording, we were talking about, like, accepting who you are. Uh, One of the things that I've come to, and I'm nearly 50, is I used to really resent the fact that I am that organiser, and I don't mean the professional organiser, but I'm that one going... I'll come for orphans Christmas, or I see that you, your kids need a party and I'll put it on, or I'll text, I'll do the group chat. So we all catch up for blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And you can get into a dynamic where you have trained your friends and family to expect that. And then when you're in need, they still expect it. One of the things I would say to her is that two things. One If you say really explicitly and out loud, this is my first Christmas on my own or whatever the next event is, and I'm feeling really sad and I need help, and then they don't help, by all means, get shitty. Mm -hmm. Because that happens too, right? Even when you do put your big girl pants on and you say, this is actually what I need, not everyone will show up for you. And then you need to work out whether or not you're prepared to maintain that relationship.
2: Uh, you know i have had i mean in the course of my life like enough times where i've gotten my ass handed to me Mm. and my community rallied Mm. and and i've learned how much people appreciate being asked yes like people like people people most you know, in our culture, we're conditioned to stay at a distance yeah, and to respect people's boundaries and privacy and mm. not to be nosy and not to be intrusive and, mm. you know, not to sort of pry into their personal, mm. you know, and o- wait for them to open up the wounds of their, you know, the doors mm. of their pain to us and whatever. Mm. And, you know, it's, but so a lot of people, some people can't, but a lot of people mm. are like waiting for the invitation to rise to the occasion mm. to help, you know get you through a tough, tough spot and appreciate being asked. I think you're
0: right. I think one thing I want to name though, and I reckon you can, you're one of the the, uh, guests who can handle me naming this is that this is also gendered, right? Because if you look at the exact same situation, I've seen so many um, divorce situations, for example, where quite literally people will rally around dad and go, I'm bringing over casseroles and I'm going to help you with the school drop off and the da, da, da. And there is, consciously or unconsciously uh you know it's that curse of the competent woman like if she's one of those women who gets shit done and is known for being really competent and organized people are much less likely even generous loving people less likely to think oh maybe she needs a hand you know maybe she's going to be sad at christmas and so there's for me there's a bit of a tension between individually giving her advice while also acknowledging the context in which she right. exists, that shit's real.
2: Uh, I'm, I'm certain it is, and and uh, I think if if she found out that uh, uh, that there's another there's a there's an ex in the picture who is a dude, and mm. that the friends were rallying around that guy, then she should murder them all in their sleep.
0: <laughs> that is very very reasonable advice. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think because I hate in um, advice podcasts where they don't give you explicit advice. I what I would like to say to her is a combination of both of, of, of our advice, which is the next event that's coming up, whether it's your birthday, whether it's Valentine's Day, I don't care what it ever it is, it's an event that is loaded for you. Very specifically tell people that you need something and what you need. If that doesn't work, by all means rail against the lack of reciprocity in the friendship or the relationship but you have to spell it out first because I think you're most likely right, NATO, that people just kind of went, oh, she seems to be fine or That's it hadn't right. occurred to them as opposed to a deliberate snub.
2: That's right.
4: Hi, Nelly. This is Kirsty. Um, I once referred to your podcast by um, uh, somebody on the apps um, and I listen quite obsessively. I wanted to call, I might start with a story. Um, the other morning I was sitting with my 11-year-old daughter um, before school and she got angry with me because I'd failed to do something um, in relation to school. Um, and, um, and there's a lot of anger in and out um, uh, of our lives. Um, she's, she's an angry tween. And I just found myself saying, you realise I'm not the only parent who failed to do the school related thing, right? And she said to me, yeah, but dad can't because of his dream job. Okay, her dad... Uh, is a helicopter pilot uh, who spends most of his year either um, in the Kimberley or um, or in another state that is away from us. And uh, so he doesn't have the kids very often. Um, and uh, um, so, um, you know, I, I sat on this because I was thinking, don't say bad things about your dad. Um, but I was also thinking, what what is my daughter learning from this life that we both have and have created for her? Um, and if I don't intervene, what is, what is she going to grow up with? And I know the story goes that... Uh, that kids will grow up and they'll realise what the situation was. But as a post structuralist feminist, um, I know that so much of of what she's going to take out of um, the relationships that we all are creating um, is already woven into who she is. It's being woven right now. Um, And so on the way to school, I said to her, look, I just wanted to talk to you about, you know, Dad not being able to do things because he has a dream job Um, and I wanted to tell you that I also have a dream job. I'm doing the job that I dreamt of doing. Um, And I'm not doing it quite as well as I had dreamt that I would. Um, And that's in part because, I have two kids and um and that you know, that's a compromise that I've made and um and it's a compromise that I'm glad that I made because I get so much from having you and I love you so dearly and, and it's amazing. I would never regret um that. uh. So you can have a dream job and it's really important to know that women have dream jobs and that people can have dream jobs and they can compromise. So your dad has made a decision about the particularity of his dream job, okay, and that has implications for his ability to do things about school. Um, It also has implications for me because it makes the compromises I have to make a bit bigger than they would have been otherwise and it has implications for you as well because I know that sometimes it's hard for you because he's made this decision to pursue this particular dream job. Um, maybe that's the wrong thing for me to do but I feel like I, if I didn't step in she would think that some people get to do dream jobs and guess what? It's a man. But also guess what? She she also learns that she is less important than her dad's dream job. And I think that's really shit and I can't leave that alone. Um, so, I don't know, <laughs> shout me down. Am I wrong? Um, thank you very much for listening. Oh,
0: Nato, I'm going to say absolutely nothing. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: thanks. <laughs> no, thanks gonna for No, I'm going to have nothing.
0: I'm gonna have plenty to say. For a start, neither of us are gonna shout you down. Like yeah. I think both of us can recognize that that the the, the, t- the tension, the pain, the difficulty the, in that.
2: The dad's a cunt, though, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You're gonna shout the dad down. You can say yeah. that. You go yeah. for it. Do you really um, think so? What do you think?
2: Well, I mean, here no. Here's what I really think is, I mean, I couldn't tell if 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 the mom and the dad were still together.
0: I think I'm going to guess because of the background of her listening to my previous podcast, I think they're separated.
2: Okay. Um, you know, it, cause it sounds like, I mean, it very, very much sounds like the, you know, it's, to me, it's not about dream job. Like mm. it's the, it's about that those choices weren't made together. Mm you know, the way that she talked about it was like he decided to do this thing mm. and I decided to support him to do that thing because I wanted him to do that and I'm at, mm. at peace with it. It was like he decided to do this thing and I'm left holding the bag. Correct. Um, I think it's really, it's hard and um, you know, in, in, in a family where one of the parents decides not to, sooner or later that kid is going to have to reckon with the fact that they had a father who decided that, that their child was not their top priority.
0: So this is this is where I wanted to pick it up, and I find this interesting. I didn't know you came from, you know, that your parents were divorced. I was going to say came from a divorced family. I hate that language, but anyway. Um, what I hear, it, she said her kid was 11, right, mm-hmm. or a tween. I would imagine, and I'm guessing... I think that that kid is trying to find a reason that is palatable emotionally as to why dad isn't doing his fair share, as to why dad isn't available, maybe for the emotional load or can they do this school thing. And it's easier to say to yourself, dad has his dream job and he's up in a helicopter in the Kimberley, then I'm not as important to dad as his job. Or... Right his other kids or his new girlfriend or his Masra. It doesn't matter. Insert whatever here.
2: Right. Or anything but me.
0: Or anything but me. Like you do not want, I mean, even at my age, you don't want to think that, but you certainly don't at 11 want to face that possibility or perhaps reality. So what I normally say, I'm really, really big on um, you err, always on the side of caution when discussing the other parent in separation, all right? No one wants to hear their parent shit-canned. And when you diss the other parent, you are dissing at least the child's perception of themselves, at least half of themselves. Having said that, I really sympathize with what she's saying in the sense of she's in a real bind in terms of the need to challenge that narrative that, oh, well, dad's just doing his dream job. What are you teaching her as a young woman about her expectations for herself in the future?
2: As as she was saying, it's like she has her dream job, but she's done it in a different way so that she can yeah. prioritize parenting. Yeah, And I don't want to shout her down, but it sounds like she has some pain about mm. the sacrifices that she's made. Yeah that you know even even if she doesn't regret it and i i have my version of this too like Mm -hmm. you know i um i you know live in san francisco and at a certain point in my comedy career should have moved to new york or los angeles and Mm -hmm. didn't because i couldn't see a way that because i was already a parent and couldn't see a way that it was going to work for my children yeah and so i have you know even though i made a choice and i don't regret making the choice that i made i still have lots of feelings that i'm not more successful mm. you know that i would like to i would like to be able to be more successful as a comedian despite mm. having made the choices not mm. to do the things that i would need to do in order to get there like oh you know, me
0: too me too and you... i completely understand her feelings about that i think what grates i'm guessing is when when you're in that situation where you're separated and you're doing the lion's share. And you're actually carrying more of the load than is fair. But, of course, kids being kids, they don't see that. Right? They don't see it. Or maybe they see it much later or they see it to a certain extent. And it's that tension between going, I want to tell you what I'm doing. I want you to see me. You know?
2: Right. Or I, w- I want to throttle this dude.
0: Well, there's that.
2: There's that. And so how do I show up for you when I have this anger about this this injustice that I have to carry?
0: Yeah, that's right. And I think, again, in terms of direct advice, I don't think you've done anything terrible. I think as long as you err on the side of giving um, him, when you're talking to your kid, the benefit of the doubt, but pointing out, as I think she seems to have done reasonably, that she also has a dream job. When you're feeling that anger, though, I would say call a friend, right? You need one of those rage friends that you can just call up and go, he's a fucking arsehole, he's off in the Kimberley flying around in his fucking helicopter, and I'm washing soccer socks,
2: you know? Yeah, I also also wonder if she's tried a finger in the butt.
0: (laughs) (laughs) In her butt? or it's, is someone else.
2: it's just somebody's butt
0: <laughs> anyone's butt just a yeah. bit of butt play just <laughs> just, a,
2: just a little butt play Sh- shift your perspective
0: this is the one and only time I'll say this to you, NATO. But that is such a straight dude thing to say. Are <laughs> oh, you feeling the the terrible effects of the inequity of the mental load? Have you tried a finger in the asshole? <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 really you out.
0: But can I say just to the seri- to the caller in all seriousness, like I don't know the answer, mate. Like I don't know the answer because this is a perennial question. How do you get? How do you deal with, particularly in a parenting context, um, when you are doing, you know, an unfair share, and this is a common refrain from women still in 2023, even though we're not, you know, in the 1950s, how do you deal with your kids not saying that? I think one day they probably will. Like many things, one day they'll understand. They may never uh, understand the full extent, as brittle as this sounds life's not fair yeah uh,
2: uh, i mean i i if i can offer some direct advice please um other than finger in the butt other than that that's not a finger in the butt our children are like this incredibly precisely calibrated device that is like perfectly designed to remind us of what we hate most about ourselves oh, and what oh. we have what what we have avoided working on yeah and so yeah you know the to the extent that this that this dynamic with the child is challenging like fundamentally the responsibility around around a child is just to be you know is like be loving and consistent and trust that it's going to work out over time yeah. Uh, yeah and but but you know how do you t- how do you that when these things come up like how do you take advantage of the opportunity to say, what is what is what? What is this upset telling me about myself?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's worth in those situations, well, firstly, worth saying nothing until you calm. I mean, that's a, obviously a no brainer. But also, I think um, the way that I would approach that stuff is kind of go, what do you think about that? Or what do you mean? Right. So she goes, well, dad can't help with schoolwork because he's got his dream job. I'd be kind of going, what do you mean? And just see what she says. And if she ends up kind of going, oh, well, you know, dad's very busy, so he hasn't got time for me. Well, what do you think about that? Rather than you telling her what you think about that. Right. She knows what she thinks about that on some level or she will at some age, but it's rough. It's rough, mama. I get it. I think a lot of people listening will get it because you're constantly treading this line between, Being respectful of the other parent, but also wanting to be seen for the contribution you're making. I get it. All right, we're going to end on my two favourite segments. Do you even have an ex, Nato? Not really. Not really. Well, you might have to steal an anecdote from a friend because we usually end on no shade on my ex where I absolutely encourage shade on your ex. We try Mm. not to make it too serious, but it's something annoying that they did
2: no well right no shade on someone else's ex me,
0: <laughs> you know when you see someone like blow up the whole relationship on the way out like that's the most common one where you kind of go, actually i've been cheating on you for 15 years and i always thought you had bad breath it's like did you really need to do that on the way out like
2: right we were done at that point
0: we were done so yeah
2: that it, i mean is relevant to what we're talking about that, that I, i've seen a bunch is uh is situations where there's a couple and one of them is a creative person of some sort mm. and the other person doesn't respect their art you know Absolutely. Like, like the you know if, if 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 you're a musician and you're dating somebody and they just think your music is shit yeah uh, like it's it's the worst
1: yeah
0: or the f- the fact that they feel the need to say it I will not place this in time for anonymity reasons, but I was with someone who came to one of my shows and he said to me after, um, she said, I said, oh, what did you think? Which was my first mistake. You know, I shouldn't have done that. And she said, oh, look, they're not really my sort of audience, but it was fine. (laughs) I thought, like, why would you need to say that? Right like just, just kind say, of go oh everyone had a great time or yeah what like do you do you need to shit on my audience or me
2: right what what is your type of audience and do i like those people
0: yeah it, like <laughs> exactly i like it kind of doesn't even make sense but there's that undermining of of skill or shininess or like it could be a non creative profession as well Keep that shit to yourself, right? You know. All right. Now, can you imagine if you don't think this is disrespectful to your lovely wife, who's like the most hot and hot celebrity you can think of? Like, if you if you had a whole pass and went, you can go on a date with anyone tomorrow, in NATO. We're like Gillian Anderson, we're Sandra Bernhard, where like, where are we?
2: Yeah, I would say top to, top of the list would be. Uh jillian anderson or uh janelle monet
0: i knew it i knew it okay excellent let's go with jillian anderson because then you and i can fight over that
2: date so okay. you're and, on a and, date. And, and and i'm i'll go jillian anderson in sex education or jillian anderson in the crown either either way either either, either.
0: or the x-files let's go og yeah she's gorgeous anyway you're on a date with jillian anderson Everything's going amazing. She's a ten. She's mm-hmm. a ten, but she does something where you go, fuck, I'm out. What is it?
2: Well, I mean, these days, uh uh finger up the be, butt. It, no, it would be it would <laughs> it, it would be if she said, I think Benjamin Netanyahu has some valid points. <laughs>
0: I I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? It's like I think Trump's just telling the truth. Yep. I think Ben Shapiro is just saying what we all think. I think, right. yes, totally. So it's it would be, it's politics for you.
2: Yeah. I mean, there are some other things probably, but if if someone like held a view that I just found completely.
0: Abarring. Like I don't
2: need people to agree with me on everything, but if someone, yeah. there are some things that I can agree to disagree about and some things yeah. where I'm like, that's a wrap, everybody.
0: That's we're done. Could you, and I'm not talking long-term, I'm talking short-term. Would you date someone who was a Republican? No. No. All right. So I'm just yeah. trying to get your line. What about a centrist? Challenging. Uh, your, your, The words literally could not come. Like your lips were forming the words. Right. The yeah. sound would not come out. So that's a no. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, the, you know, like I am to the left of Che Guevara. So. Yeah, yes. So, I always say
0: to the left of Mao. So it's basically you and I can da- date Annie DeFranco and that's it. That's it.
2: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna date um, uh, you know, Annie DeFranco. Uh we can date Pascal, Pedro Pascal, <laughs> probably, what's his name? The, I, know the dreamy what guy. Yeah, yeah, I know what you
0: Yeah, yeah, I know
2: you mean. Uh, there's a and that'd be such
0: relaxing relationships, Nato. That's the thing. Yeah. That'd be so divine. This is the dilemma, I reckon, for me, because I find People who are less politically engaged than me seem so much more relaxed, and I think mm-hmm. I need that in my life, you know, but then I find that really irritating.
2: Right. Well, I mean, well, it's just like, because to me, it's like, like I mean, I imagine that I could fool around with someone who didn't understand my yeah. politics, but I don't think I could have a real relationship. Like No, no, uh, that's different. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like if somebody says, what are you thinking about? It's like... Yeah colonialism yeah you know? exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly i'm thinking about foucault let's get into it what do you right. want <laughs> like, this is the thing i reckon you know if you think of that context of i don't know um who was it who said it maybe it was dan savage one of the you know sex podcasters. like you go to a sex party don't fucking ask anyone anything do not talk because half the room is then gonna be off limits You know, like you do not want to start talking about Benjamin Netanyahu. You'll be out of there in five minutes. Noted. Noted. Just for future reference. Hey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you being so um, open and funny and finger in the butt is going to stay with me for a while. (laughs) We'll always have that, Nato. It does that. Not in my experience it doesn't um yeah. where can we for our well, we've got some American listeners but where can we find you where can we find your work uh
2: wherever um I have two comedy albums out the Dana Green Party and the whiteness album yeah. which are available wherever comedy can be streamed or downloaded although the best way to support the artist, which is me directly is to purchase the albums through the website Bandcamp yes um uh mr nato green on instagram nato green on t- twitter although i'm mostly off of twitter these days because of yeah. it becoming accessible but mr nato green on instagram and threads i suppose
1: yeah
2: um and uh if you are in the states i have a couple of political stand-up shows coming up for sf sketch Fest in san francisco at the end of january and i will be hitting the road and uh i have a away date february 3rd in portland oregon
0: Beautiful, and I will put a link to Bandcamp in the show notes because I agree it is the best way that you can actually get money to the artist, as opposed to many of the other platforms. Um, and to anything. Unless else you, you want to go me. on,
2: unless you want to go on Spotify and listen to my album one million times or more, or more,
0: and then you might get ten bucks for your next birthday.
2: That'd be so amazing,
0: wouldn't it? Be nice. You can go and It'd buy nice. yourself half a coffee. i will put links to all that in the show notes um and you can also which is where i discovered you of course is on the bugle podcast um i've also heard you on tea with alice you you get around
2: i get around i'm yeah i i I appear uh in the i'm in the in the regular rotation on the bugle podcast and also a political comedy podcast called the Vituation room
0: great I'll get links to those as well but thank you so much for joining us and what can I say Happy New Year
2: Happy Goyish New Year Yeah.
0: <laughs> you go and enjoy that butt fingering we
2: Will do I'm on. Ciao Bye.
1: Dear Nelly I could use some advice Dear Nelly Yes yeah, some help would be nice Dear Nelly I'm eager to hear your point of to explore, dear Nelly, when you're 40 or more, dear Nelly, so I'm hoping we can talk